0: Hey everyone, I'm Hili Schlafrock and I want to welcome you back to the Basa de Outdoors podcast. I know it's been a while and I want to thank you all so much for tuning back in. I wanted to tell you all a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes here and what you can expect from me moving forward. After our first episode together, which I enjoyed doing with my good friend Yosef Guilherz of Grotora so much, I got really overwhelmed. This podcast is a passion project and it isn't my only passion. I'm also a graduate student An outdoors lover and i'm working on other creative ways of connecting people to nature i'm also a human being and sometimes just being that can take up a lot of space all that being said i wanted to come back to this podcast in a way that could work for me and for y'all the audience i started working with a podcast coach and she's been super helpful in centralizing the vision and goals of this podcast moving forward basadell will come out with a new episode on the first tuesday of every month I also hope to start creating more content over on Instagram, at basade underscore outdoors. For this month's episode, I had the privilege of interviewing three founding members of Living Tree Alliance up in Mortown, Vermont. They focus on regenerative agriculture and education in a way that is really beautiful and unique. I've had the honor of spending some time on their property, and what a place it is. You'll hear more about Living Tree Alliance and how to get in touch with them and visit throughout the episode. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy hearing this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Hi, everyone. So good to see you guys. How's it going?
1: Good. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's sunny, but lots of snow on the ground that creates a nice white blanket.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Up in Moortown, Vermont, right?
2: <laughs> yes, Moortown, Vermont.
0: Moretown, Vermont. So I would love to get a little bit of an introduction as to who we're getting to speak with today, um, where y'all are at. And I wanted to start off, we have three wonderful people with, with us here today. We have Safira Ashkello, we have Melanie Kessler, and Craig Ashkello. Thank y'all so much for joining us. I really appreciate having you all here. And we'll start out with Safira, if that's okay. And Safira, could you give us a little bit of an introduction into who you are, where you're coming from, and a little bit of your introduction to the outdoors?
2: Um, yeah, so I'm Safira Ashgelo, and um, I co-founded Living Tree Alliance with Melanie and Craig. And um, I grew up in, uh, on Long Island in New York uh, in a primarily Jewish uh, community, and then when I graduated college, um, I started to really get a excitement about the outdoors, um, and went to Israel uh, for the year. And even though I grew up in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood, I didn't really understand like uh, about Jewish values and what some of the inherent things that were kind of part of who I was and my upbringing, and that they were connected to to Judaism. So in Israel, I did a program called leave Notes to leave notes, and which means to be built, to build and to be built. And, um, and I think that really um, inspired my love of the outdoors. And we went um, hiking and learned about the tradition and lived in community together. And so that um, gave me both the excitement around um, being connected to the outdoors and to my food and also to community and cooking and living uh, cooperatively and together. And, um, and I will say that it, growing up on Long Island, my house was across the street from a park. Um, so I think that also in, we spent a lot of time there as kids. And that probably inspired this uh, connection to uh, open space.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Where in Israel was that program?
2: Um, leave, note, leave a note is where is in Sfat, um, and um, at that time, uh, over 25 years ago, when I did that program, it was a program in Sfat and a program in Jerusalem. It still is in Sfat, and um, it's a pretty magnificent place to to visit. Uh, we recently went back there in the last few years, and they um, part of the work that they did in Sfat is because there were multiple earthquakes and. Um, over the years and they would just keep rebuilding the city on top of all the rubble that had um, broken things down. And so we, part of the work at Leaf node was to kind of pull back um, and do these archaeological digs. And they actually found this most amazing uh, uh, community that was underneath Leaf Note. So when I lived there, it wasn't there, but when we went back, they found that there was a mikvah there. There was a community bakery. You could still see the wood wood oven, which they use now. And um, so anyway, I just want to give a little plug that it's a really special place to, to visit if you're in northern Israel.
0: Yeah, that sounds really cool that they found what sounds like an entire community built under their current community. Wow, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Melanie, I was hoping we could move on to you. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your introduction to the outdoors
1: sure um i grew up in suburban philadelphia and i think that probably my introduction to the outdoors comes from my need for movement Mm. (laughs) and so when things weren't going well in my house i would run my dog around the neighborhood as much as possible and i would walk or bike everywhere just to get the fresh air even though everybody around me was driving i'd say i'll meet you there i need to go for a walk um And I, you know, the more time I spent outside, the more connected I was to the weather, the wind, the changes of the season. I remember Mm -hmm. looking up one day on my bus um, home from school and realizing that all the leaves had changed and thinking like, when did that happen? And then Mm -hmm. it was kind of a revelation of like, wow. Like, why am I not looking around me? Mm -hmm. Because I'm so wrapped up in my head. And, and from then on, I really made a commitment to be more um, more connected. And um, I connected that to my Judaism because I, when I went to college, I was the president of the environmental club. I was also the president of the environmental club in middle school and high school. It felt really important to me to, if I love nature, to take care of it, you know, yeah. connect it to action, which I think came from um, Jewish values of Tikkun olam, mm-hmm. And it was earth day and Passover on the same day. Mm-hmm. And so I committed to creating an event that combined them and wrote an eco Seder that I led, um, for the Hillel. And from then on, it's kind of been like a creative goal of mine to bring Jewish ritual into a connection with the seasons. And, mm. um, and stewardship for the earth. And I think that, you know, it's been kind of a few decades of figuring out creative ways to make those connections. Now, landing at Living Tree really provides a way for me to get my energy out outside, stay connected to the seasons, and creatively weave a Jewish story and connection to the ancestors that are embedded in seasonal life and community.
0: Wow, that is so cool. I love the idea of an eco-Seder. I think that's incredible. And we'll definitely get to talking more about those ideas of connecting those two things of Judaism and the natural world soon in the podcast. Um, Craig, I was hoping that you could give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself as well and your introduction to the outdoors.
3: Sure. Hi, uh, Craig here. I grew up in Rockland County um, as a as a child, an only child of um, a mixed marriage, uh, my mom's Jewish and my dad's uh, well, he was raised Irish Catholic, but neither of them were particularly religious. So I grew up in kind of the Reform community in in Rockland County, um, where I lived. There were in my school district is there were 22 languages spoken within the district, which was pretty amazing. Um, so it was a very you know pluralistic community and. You know, naturally there were, there were groups of people in high school. You know that were aligned with people of their, you know, whatever kind of affinity group it might be. So anyway, where I grew up in Rockland was a street called Beaver Dam Road. So, you kind of always wonder like, where's the beaver? Because it it was named after beaver. And so I, as a child, would look in the woods for for you know, for the beaver or for other animals, and developed a strong Connection to um, a small herd of deer that were in the backyard and other animals and really, you know, got to understand from a very sensual and intuitive level, like what um, this nature, quote, was out there beyond the edge of the lawn. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, I didn't really have a guide or uh, anyone teaching about that as a six and seven year old. So, But I was knew that I was drawn to it. Uh, fast forward in, into college in 1989 I was one of my classes was on uh, global warming and we wrote a whole paper to, uh, in a physics class it was like a multidisciplinary class but we addressed it to Senator Patrick Moynihan to act on climate change at that time it was called global warming um, from that platform I had an experience of living in a rainforest in australia so it's really starting to meet people that were aligned with like you know what are all these amazing aspects of the of of our human experience that nobody really taught me about in suburban rockland county um, and lived in a tropical cloud forest in australia where it was just amazing to see the diversity of of um birds and reptiles they don't really have large mammals there so the amount of diversity and kind of these lesser you know um lesser on the food chain you know there's not like one big large predatory animal so I don't know my love of nature I I hesitate when I say nature because it's always been about not dichotomizing the nature culture but how do we bring it together that question lived in me from an early age and continues to live in me now so I think some of that expression of like how do we walk differently in this world where everything's so beautifully created and already here while we watch population explosion you know challenges of food distribution and you know different things of poverty and equity you know they're all big questions. and. Um, After serving, like working as an activist with Greenpeace, eventually I came back to the, like, well, what do I know how to do? Like, so I learned about gardening, learned about building, and at that stage kind of met Safira in Seattle. And, you know, we shared some of our ideas about spirituality and and lifestyle. And um, fast forward 20 years from that, here we are um, where Living Tree Alliance is not only a reflection or expression of the values that each of us have, but uh, Melanie as well, and other other people that um, are both within our community and outside of our community that influence this this uh, larger question of like, how do we change the paradigm here to have a more um, holistic, healthy, inspired future?
0: Yeah. yeah, wow, thanks so much for sharing that. And that's a perfect segue sure. into my next question, which is the reason why we're here, Living Tree Alliance. And we can snake back, so we can have Craig speak first and then Melanie and Safira, and we'll snake back for the next question. Um, so Craig, if you'll share a little bit, what gave mm-hmm. the idea for Living Tree Alliance?
3: So that that transition between uh, working as an activist in in Greenpeace back in um, '95 there was um i had a really interesting um summer that i spent with safira working on a um, a small biodynamic csa community supported agriculture farm um, as summer apprentices where we made two dollars an hour and um, being that both safira and i love food, high quality food and like, you know, delicious prepared food. Um, the experience of working on a farm for I think each of our first times was very, had a great impact on us. So um, the the CSA was also part of the wider community culture, which was a community land trust in on Lopez Island that provided affordable housing for people who mm. were, um, you know, basically working on the island, whether in the tourist industry or the service industry. Um, And it was a, it was an kind of an activist model of affording, you know, making land and access to housing affordable. So, you know, from that, my career as a quote unquote career as a landscape architect, that part of how do we access farmland became a, you know, access farmland, diversify farm production, um, and create communities became kind of a central theme in what I did professionally. Um, all while at the same time, Sophia and I were putting out the question of how do we build a Jewish intentional farm centered community in New England? So we've been on kind of that journey since 2000 or even earlier since 97, and it's taken different iterations. So. We've lived in community for 15 years prior to starting Living Tree uh, with the other people that I've mentioned. Um, So, you know, it's been that's kind of the short, overarching answer. And of course, there's a lot more depth to that, Um, especially I think Spirit can speak to the Jewish spiritual component strongly. Yeah, maybe I'll pass the baton to, to her.
2: Sure. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, I would say that each of us come from, you know, some of these backgrounds that we already talked about, that like the leaf note inspiration um, and the connection to living a meaningful Jewish life connected to the earth uh, and wanting to create something that like that. And um, when I was in my 20s, it seemed like the majority of Jewish communities that there was a possibility to be part of were all um, centered in the cities, Uh, and I really wanted to uh, explore rural life and was really turned on to the um, fact that, like, that uh, Judaism as a religion really started out as an agricultural uh, frame, um, you know, and that our ancestors were shepherds and Mm -hmm. um, and so. Um, yeah, so I wanted to uh, create a, a place where we can make that come alive, and 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 at that time there was a you know a bunch of people who were starting to be excited about that, and like the um, Jewish Farm School and Eden Village, like were all mm-hmm. starting to percolate. Um, Gane Boston, um, and so it felt like there was a movement that we then could become part of. Um, Beautiful. And, Um, Yeah. And so, you you know, I think I was really excited when I first met Melanie um, because she seemed to really understand the rhythms and the cycles of the seasons and connecting that to our Jewish spiritual tradition. And so it's been really a gift to evolve that together and to create meaningful festivals that are connected to our ancestry, um, but uh, make it. Uh, accessible in our modern day and also connected to the environment that we're living in here and growing food and celebrating the harvests and the planting and, and all the
0: cycles. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for the work that you're doing. That's incredible.
3: Yeah.
0: Melanie, maybe you can take this next question, which I know it's a big one, but in its current iteration of this idea that y'all seem to have had for a very long time, what ex- what exactly is living tree Alliance?
1: Well, there's the, uh, the taglines that you can read on our website, which is an interweaving of um, a co-housing village, so a Jewish residential experience that's intergenerational, a nonprofit whose mission is both secular in terms of bringing regenerative agriculture education to local schools and families and religious in terms of bringing that same type of education into Jewish festivals and Jewish education and storting the land. So we're on 93 acres. Um, So other people can extend that. But in terms of the feeling and the spirit of what we're doing here, you know, I think that we want to create a place where it feels um, nourishing, intergenerational, safe, sustainable and inspiring. And so Mm. that means that we can learn how to live, communicate and work together to create examples that the next generation can um, live into a little bit and carry forth with them, whether it be through our field trips, through apprentices that are living with us and among us or through people that come and camp and come to our festivals. And I think that's where we're at now is to continue to build infrastructure so that um, we can inspire that which lives in everybody to connect in some way to um, the vision of Living Tree that can spread.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And could you speak, I want to get more into the Jewish connection and the connection between agriculture and Judaism. But first, could you speak a little bit just about what y'all are doing on the farm? What's uh, some of the agricultural uh, aspects of it?
2: Yeah, so um, we're we're growing many types of vegetables um, and we raise uh, animals. Um, we have chickens that we raise for eggs and the mm. um, people in the residential community can all... Uh, eat those eggs and enjoy the, the bounty of it. Um, and we're, we rotate the chickens on pasture so they get to eat grass and see the sun, which is a little bit different than commercial um, eggs and chickens. And yeah. uh, we also raise chickens for meat and, um, and they're also pasture raised and um, they're really delicious. And I love uh, then eating chicken on Shabbat to celebrate mm. Shabbat. And um, and I like eating her chicken and <laughs> yeah, sharing in those celebrations together with the food that we were able to raise here um, with the sun and the soil. And um, and, um, and then there is also a sugaring operation on the land here. There's a family that's been sugaring here for 35 years um, and they continue to lease the land and we get to help in the spring and, and integrate some of our community festivals into the sugaring season. And, um, and we have um, woodlands that are connected to the local high school and middle school um, for hiking and enjoying. And, um, and then we are also growing fruit trees here. And we started a tree of life orchard where people from, um, from our community and outside of our community can plant a tree in honor of their loved ones or honor of a um, important milestone in their life. And, um, and so we've planted many um, trees and and blueberry bushes in in different people's honor. Um, that's and, beautiful. Yeah, and you know, and we're exploring um, growing ancient grains, um, and that's been a new project for us. And it's really fun to link the like the growing of grains and the Shavuot holiday and um, utilizing yeah. some of those materials into into our rituals. Um, even though we're not, you know, in Israel and necessarily in the in the cycle of their seasons, but there's there's ways that we can integrate it.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the fact that we aren't in Israel but still maintaining and connecting to those old traditions, I'm wondering if y'all have a connection to Shemitah this year and what that looks like.
2: Um, so there's a few different things that we have decided to do to honor the Shemitah year. Uh, one is, is that we have one plot of our, um, of our vegetable garden um, that is uh, designated towards Shemitah. We put cover crop in it right before Rosh Hashanah, and we, um, our, one of our interns made this beautiful sign in front of the, of the garden plot, and we will not touch it for the whole year until um, next Rosh Hashanah, or maybe, maybe next Sukkot as part of our Sukkot on the Farm Festival. And, um, and it'll be a great opportunity to observe what the land does when you just let it be, you know, and this is a, yeah. um, this is a little bit of a different practice in that, you know, we do rotate where we grow. So it is kind mm. of in our regular repertoire to give certain areas of our um, growing areas a rest, um, but we wouldn't necessarily... Um, you know, typically we'll plant cover crop and then turn the cover crop over and, you know, still manage the land. So this is a little bit of a different um, technique. And um, we will are also, um, we have some uh, uh, land that's connected to the riverbank. And um, I could let Craig speak about this, but we have decided to, we have been envisioning doing this restoration Project down there, and um, and we for the shemitah year, we're really trying to plan for it and um, to get more pl- players and collaborators in the local community, and um, also hopefully from the Abenaki community, um, so that we can then in the following year in fifty seven eighty three then take uh, action towards um, towards doing something that, that um, feels like it will be regenerative for that area. Wow. Um, yeah.
3: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. Do you want to add to that, Craig?
3: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Farah and Melanie. Um, the area that we're talking about is the confluence of the Mad River, um, which is kind of the main watershed for the area that drains down into the Winooski River, out to Lake Champlain, and then mostly the St. Lawrence Seaway. Um, but there's a tributary that comes off the second highest mountain in Vermont called Camel's Hump um, at least in you know modern European language. I don't know it's it's how it was referred to elsewhere or other you know in time before but those two um, bodies of water connect on the edge of land that we have title to so what we're you know it floods regularly and it's a very dynamic place so because we um, are at the core of our farming practice is education and experimentation. What we're trying to do down there involves both those two things, um, educating, working with the local high school, middle school, elementary school, um, and experimenting by trying different approaches to how to, again, getting back to this nature culture paradigm, how do we, Kind of become one with this system down there by providing not only habitat for our kin like birds and other creatures that live down there, um, and also provide food for us as humans. Because um, historically, it, well, in the last few hundred years, it's been cultivated uh, for corn. So you know they turn up the soil every year, and the soil would wash into the river, and you know over over time, it's significantly degraded the quality of soil and the biodiversity in the soil. So the approach that we're trying to take, like we do with the entire farm, involves taking pieces um, from theories such as permaculture, um, such as regenerative agriculture. There's a fellow, Mark Shepard, who's been very inspiring to me and other people, um, looking at ways to, um, to grow food in a, in a very biodiverse way, where you, you might minimize your production of one specific food item, but when you start to Look at the fact that you're growing, you know, 10, 20, 30 times the variety of foods. Um, it's more resilient in the case of drought or flood or fire. You know, you end up getting something out of the various different species that are interplanted. So, um, yeah, you know, that's a very exciting project, and it's also on the main highway coming in and out of town. So it'll be a very visual. Um, Kind of impact for other people to see, like, oh, who's this Living Tree Alliance? What are they doing? And it's very relatable on an ecological sense. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think, uh, it's probably worth just noting, like, even though it's on our website, Melanie talked about it. Our nonprofit organization is not a religious nonprofit organization; it's more secular. So while we do support um, the uh, putting on a few events that are. Jewish cultural events, you know, a number of what we do in our outward presentation of what that organization does, the nonprofit organization within Living Tree Alliance, it really is open to all. It's kind of a big tent type of structure so that, you know, people of all walks of life are, have the ability to feel connected and feel like it's speaking on their behalf and add their voice into, you know, what, how we steward this landscape. Beautiful, thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm.
0: Y'all at Living Tree focus a lot on education and on working with young people. And I even had the pleasure of seeing the camp happening at the farm for a couple of days this past summer. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to the ways that you see kids benefiting from spending time in nature.
1: I think that I think of it in two ways. One is that now that um, like I'm over 40, just recently, that I really feel like the future lies in the hands of children, you know, they're the ones. And so when I used to be younger, I, you know, I I felt like my actions were the actions of the future. And now I feel like my capacity to inspire the next generation is the best work that I can do, which is why I prioritize personally as an educator um, youth in um, the outdoors. And Secondly, I mean, there's a lot of research that shows that the first thing that kids need in their process of becoming, quote-unquote, stewards of the earth and activists, like in terms of a sense of responsibility that is action-oriented, is um, is reverence. And I think that um, reverence comes directly from... Um, beautiful experiences in nature that are embedded in values, community and, um, and mindfulness. And so I think what we do here is combine that reverence with education about responsibility and respect. And then ideally that turns them into humans that will see that they can go into the world in a place of connection and in a place of responsibility. So um, I think wow. that's why personally, why we value it. Well, you know, as an educator at Living Tree, why that's a priority um, for what we're trying to do in the world.
0: I love the term you use, reverence. Like that brings up so much in the way of like, kind of like peak experiences. That's some, like that kind of came into my mind when you said the word reverence and like how to bring that is like these experiences of, wow, like we are experiencing the beauty of nature, connection to the earth, connection to ourselves. Um, can whoever wants Maybe to- take, I, I'm yeah. sorry,
1: I, I oh. want to interrupt because oh, I want to make sure that um, Safira gets to talk, you know, a lot of, well, I, I want to say two more things. Is that okay, Kelly? Yeah, of course. One is that, Um, in terms of Judaism, right, is that uh, when I'm, the Shema, right, it's like Mm -hmm. our creed. (laughs) We say it four times a day or more before we die when we wake up during our prayer services. And really it's a a reminder to listen to oneness, right? That God is oneness and that we find it through listening. And so I really think that um, when kids are outside, you don't have to tell them to care, right mm-hmm. through listening they can experience the connection on their own um yeah. and i think that when we take our prayer outside and we open it up beyond the words that were given that were to given. us necessarily directly you know from our ancestors it extends our experience of being jewish and then i also want to say that safira brings her background to of nutrition and cooking to the kids mm. in all of our programs and that's a huge asset, I think, in terms of inspiring kids to make that connection to something they do every day, a.k.a. the choices they make when they eat. And yeah. we eat multiple times a day. And so they can come back and say, it's not just about this experience at Living Tree. It's an experience in everyday parts of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to add Bring that.
0: To
2: the... Um, you know, I love seeing the connection of kids in the soil, having their mm. hands in the soil, and that even here in Vermont, there are kids who didn't get that. Like lettuce grows out of the soil, out out of the ground, and um, so I just love that connection, and I feel like there's reverence. Just in that and the excitement of a child pulling a carrot from under the ground um, that we got to plant together, Keely, and like and be like, "Wow, look at this! It's orange," you know. And <laughs> and most kids, if there's any vegetable that they like, it's usually carrots. So yeah. that's a, a really great one. And and just you know, that's a great example of reverence of, of a child. Like, wow, carrot comes from under the ground there, and you couldn't see it before. Yeah. Um, And then I just want to add also this, um, I uh, was working with a client yesterday and she was telling me about how um, there was an ice storm in Massachusetts and the ice was just covering all of the trees, you know, and just looking out the window and seeing the ice sparkle on the trees Mm. is like was giving her a moment of gratitude and connection Mm. connection to to spirit and to, you know, her own uh, soul. Um, And so, you know, I think the earth in all of its ways that it's changing is always um, providing
0: with that for us. That's so beautiful. And I I really appreciate what you said about people not knowing that lettuce comes from the ground. And I don't think that's only children. I think a significant percentage of our population wouldn't know that you don't see carrots like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a real shame.
2: It is. And I, I will also say the other flip side of that, I remember particularly the seventh grade girl, like, "Ew, I'm not going to eat that. lettuce. <laughs> it touched the dirt and it's like, wow, like you, you don't know that it, that's where it
0: grows. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a perfect segue into my next question. What are some hopes that you guys have when it comes to whether it be the Jewish community, the world at large, uh, some things that you want to see happen? in the future when it comes to our connection to the outdoors
3: okay um guess what's been on my mind lately i've been watching this uh david attenborough um netflix movie i don't know if it's a movie but it talks about it's with this um i forget who his partner is johan is this fella's name who they're highlighting he's like a climate scientist but more than that he's a very connected person who grew up in Norway and spent a lot of time in nature or, you know, connected to the landscape that he lived in. And in this movie, they're trying to identify, like, well, what are the key thresholds that we need to pay attention to in this time where our ecological systems, our social systems are all on the verge of some sort of disrupt, major disruption, right? So I think within that, he points out these nine different categories. And I think that, you know, looking towards the future and using this word reverence is like reestablishing a relationship with the natural world that we live in. Though like even though on a global scale it seems like all is so distraught and disruptive, on a local scale we still have the ability to add diversity to the soil. There's so many miracles that are happening every day here on the farm and in the woods and in the river. So just, you know, re- reconnecting people to or children, young adults, yeah, and and all people to, you know, the miracle of this this life that we're in, um, I feel like has a really strong effect on a positive outlook, um, even in the face of something that seems like David and Goliath. I mean, there's a lot of you know Jewish stories that where we've been the, the small, the smaller of the two, and have somehow overcome. So I feel like. Being able to instill that in in the youth where it seems that so many things are at a loss where we can still have some hope in a small scale and feel connected to one another is a hope that I would have, that I do have. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for sharing that, Craig. Melanie, I Safira.
1: I just wrote down four sentences and I think it's mostly about youth. You know, and I, I wrote down like I am, you know, mm. that people feel secure in who they are, especially in a community that we all bring our gifts. I care. Right? Like yeah. that they're connected. I can that 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 people are inspired to take their gifts and take what they care about, and and I will, you know, and mm. and do something. And so that hopefully our education and the experiences that people have here in terms of putting their hands together and building something or growing something or having a conversation that um, helps them to learn about who they are and what they care about will um, will bring change.
0: Yeah, thanks so much.
2: Yeah, and I would just add to that in in addition, so echoing what you said really is um, you know, that we can work collaboratively together. I do think that, um, you know, right now there's so much um, division and it's like if we can get past our differences and come together and figure out, you know, we, we all want to thrive here on this earth, right? And so can yeah. we come together and um, work in community to create an environment that, th- that thrives for life here? And, um, and it is my hope that Living Tree will continue to be a resource for people of all ages to kind of come and get some refuge and be able to connect to themselves, connect to the earth, connect to um, spirit ancestry um, in a way that's inspiring and, and allows them then when they leave here to be bringing out uh, positive things to happen in the world.
0: Wow. Thank you guys so much for sharing all that. I want to thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. I really enjoyed our conversation I learned a lot. I hope people enjoy it. And again, thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Keely. And I just want to give a little bit of a plug in that, you know, yeah. co- co-housing community here where we're right now, um, five families and we aspire to be seven families living on the land, stewarding the land together and um, celebrating the rhythms of Jewish life. And we have um, two plots that are available for the right residents to join us in this uh, community.
0: Beautiful. Stuff. And you can find Living Tree Alliance
2: our website. Our website, <laughs> our <laughs> website <laughs> is the best way, livingtreealliance.com. And we also have places for people to come and visit and be here um, just yeah. temporarily. So um, visitors. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. LivingTreeAlliance.com. There you go. Thanks. Thank yeah, you guys for... so much. yeah Thank you, Keely. Thank
2: you, Keely. All right. Take, good... all.
0: Take care. All right. Take good care. Thanks again. Bye. Thank you so much to Craig, Safira, and Melanie of Living Tree Alliance. It was an honor having you all here on the podcast, and I really appreciate you sharing some of your vision with us. Check out Living Tree Alliance at livingtreealliance.com for cool opportunities and updates on the farming community. I want to thank you all so much for listening to the podcast today. I wish you all the best, and we'll speak soon.